3: welcome to the bare naked abcs and interestingly enough this is our 250th episode What? yeah can you believe we wow, made it that far that's heidi
1: crazy hey guess what the, my town is having this year it's our 250th celebration year for hillsborough yeah oh that's really cool we've had events every month so 250 yay Yay! go for 250 (laughs)
3: that means we've been doing this show for almost five years now
1: oh my land
3: and to celebrate this momentous occasion we are going to discuss a song that i think most people nobody knows don't even realize that was written by bnl and And most americans and maybe even people anywhere else in the world except from canada um so joining me tonight are my co-host heidi hi Um, everybody well that list was as short as this song so (laughs) we have a guest joining us this week uh our guest has a film and tv production background as well as a corporate event planning and casino work background he is the co-host of Good evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast.
1: Oh my gosh, Tom, we could talk for days.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll explain why when Aaron gets, or when Aaron, when Tracy gets in with the intro.
3: <laughs> when you may know his him as DJ Tommy 3000 on TikTok, and he is a longtime fan of awesome Canadian bands. You can often find him providing indispensable information. Wait, there's more than information. one? <laughs>
4: yeah,
3: yeah. A few. Nice one. Very nice. Nice. Uh, you can also find him providing indispensable information on Bare Naked Ladies Fan Club on Facebook. Welcome, Tom Caldwell. Hey, Tom. Thank you, Thank you very
4: much. I'm very happy to be here, and I love social media. This stuff <laughs> is so great for connecting with people and and finding fandoms that you can insert yourself into other shows and podcasts and just celebrating good music. This is awesome.
3: Thank you for having me. Oh, we're, we're very glad to have you.
1: Wait a minute. Um, oh, my gosh. You just said um, thank you for having me. So guess what?
3: <laughs>
1: Pass the cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. Gee, the turkey <laughs> looks great. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being that. No, it's not time. For I that, do, Tom. I
4: do love, uh, I do love some cranberry sauce. Don't get me wrong.
1: I love Linda Belcher.
3: <laughs> no,
1: I do. <laughs> She's my spirit cartoon and a person.
3: <laughs> so, Tom, tell us about your journey with B and L. Basically, growing up in Canada, you can't avoid
4: being exposed to bare-, bare naked ladies. Like they're they've been playing for how many years now? Um, Hold on! I wait have, a minute!
1: Wait a minute, Tom. Um, you can't go anywhere without being exposed to bare naked ladies. Boy, I didn't realize. Yeah. I mean, Montreal, yeah, but
4: <laughs> well, it's cold in the winter, but it's hot in the summer. Um, <laughs> so I I sent uh, earlier. Um, there's an article, a wonderful concert from the Bare Naked Ladies in uh, the city of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, in 1993 and i saw them in the auditorium and this was the full band and just to give you a a, a sense of the era people were throwing macaroni on stage oh my gosh (laughs) so this is old school those
1: in the no don't throw right
4: and nowadays that's like no 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 you can't do that but um (laughs) i mean that's andy um, days yeah like this is a while back right and more like more recently about um Five years ago, in my job at Casino Regina, where I live, um, they played, and I got to be security in the room during the show, which was awesome. And they actually, they did an amazing show. They did like an acoustic opening for five songs, and then they dropped a big backdrop and they go full instrumental, right? With guitar, like the full electric show. Wow. And they did a whole lot. They did whole lot of love by Zeppelin as an encore. It was just amazing, and then this summer, I didn't go to see them, but they played a thing called Besbro Gardens in Saskatoon, which is a beautiful um, antique railway hotel on the riverbank with um, a huge gardens out back. My brother and his wife live across the river. They sat in their backyard and listened to the show and could hear it perfectly. I didn't go though, because four days later I was at a different rock concert at that same venue. So it was kind of a conflict, but no, they're, they're always playing, you know, they're playing my casino again in a couple of weeks here in Regina, the Christmas special show. Oh, you get so, to have
3: see them at the Christmas special.
4: Well, I didn't, again, they sold out. That one went like immediately. It's only a thousand seat theater, but, uh, yeah they're so popular and they're such a fun band they're such a good time to see
3: yeah they just had to cancel a um there was just a canceled uh concert just loaded up tonight because of the storms that went through they it it flooded the the parking lot and so they have to cancel it and like i can only imagine that ruins some people's christmas right there
4: well yeah that that would be out uh, like um Buffalo area? Yeah, that snowstorm was insane. Oh,
1: crazy.
4: Yeah, no, they were they were talking six feet of snow or whatever, like six Buffalo's feet Buffalo's
1: always brutal, like deep. but, I mean, I have a former relatives that lived in Niagara Falls, Ontario, and Niagara, Niagara Falls, uh, New York, and Chippewa Falls, which is where yeah, anyway, old family members, and um, the Buffalo would get that Lake effect snow, and we would just be stranded. It's brutal there.
3: Yeah.
4: No, hopefully everybody has uh, big tank, big cans of gasoline for their snowblowers at
3: their house. But <laughs> I, I think they're just going to wait for it to melt off. They they're they're in for the winter at this point. <laughs>
4: yeah. But yeah, that's the 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 risk of being a traveling band in North America in the winter. You gotta you gotta take the risk once in a while, but.
3: Well, I feel and bad, I just,
4: like you said, though, for the people that bought the tickets and bought the hotel rooms.
3: And I just got an email the other day that the Canadian Pacific Railroad is actually coming through. The, the lighted train is coming through Maine for the first time ever. Oh, yeah. But, but B&L's not on it. And I'm like, well, you know, why am I traveling so far <laughs> to go see them if, if no. B&L's not playing it?
4: Yeah, that would be a highlight. I've seen that come through Regina before, too. That's a good time.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful train.
4: Yeah. One of the... Um, well, since I'm talking about the city of Regina, okay, you've heard of a little show called uh, Big Bang Theory. hmm Well-known for having a Bare Naked Ladies theme song. The opening montage is a very fast whatever 30, 40 black and white or color images, historic images. There's a Regina image in that mix. Oh, really? Right? So it is, if you ever look it up, it's called the Leader Building. It's the newspaper building. Cause our our newspaper is called the Leader Post. So there's a there's a connection between Regina and the bare naked ladies <laughs> theme on Big Bang Theory. There you go. Wow. Digging deep for all the trivia tonight.
3: <laughs> That's some good trivia right there. Because I do like me some big bang theory.
4: Oh, it's a good show, yeah. And very similar theme songs when you think about it. I don't want to get ahead of you too much here, but thirty seconds instrumental, somewhat like with some quick vocals, like very peppy mm-hmm. and um very memorable, and you know, true to the bare naked ladies, just fun and
3: upbeat, right? That's right. So yeah, you 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 let us into it before I could, which is great, um, because yeah, tonight we're discussing, I would dare say, Lady's first theme song that they ever did for a TV show, which is Sonata para Bombachas, which in English stands for Sonnets for Bombs, right? Written for the Royal Canadian Air Force. Want right. to make sure I said that right. That was hard to get out. <laughs> and uh if if you've never heard this song before, here's a quit you know what? No, fuck it. Here's the entire thing.
1: Uh, getting so saucy.
3: <laughs> early on. Get saucy early on. Nope, that's not it.
1: Saucy. <laughs>
3: All right. That, that's the entire thing of it. <laughs> and
4: that is the opening to the Air Force television comedy series on CBC television.
3: You're leading right into the thing I wanted to talk about. Like, so, yes, this is the beginning of the television series. But before that, there was the radio series. Like, this, this TV series, this group has a storied tradition. Tom, do you want to talk? I wrote some notes down, but you probably know it better than I do. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
4: Sure. As a Canadian in the 1980s listening to CBC radio, you got a treat. Every week there would be a half-hour radio episode of the Royal Canadian Air Farce, EC Farce Canada. And it was a very, very funny traditional radio theater comedy show, right? Where it wasn't produced in the studio. Like it was on stage in front of a live audience. The actors would come up to the microphones. There would be a sound effects guy on stage. It was kind of like Spike Jones or Stan Freeberg, like the old American radio drama style, right? And it was a highlight for me every Saturday to listen to this on the radio and my my whole family got into it my dad really enjoyed the show and um, it was a it was like a must hear radio you know instead of must see tv it was a very popular <laughs> uh radio show that everybody i knew that had any class or taste or sense of humor enjoyed this show
3: and that started in 1973 i cannot believe that wow that's so- a long time back yeah so this show went on for 35 years either on radio or tv good for them that is just amazing and and so when i think of that like this is probably if i'm thinking correctly i didn't do my research before i made this statement but i believe that that would be prior to monty python or about the same time as monty python was on tv and there weren't a lot of other, a lot of other like comedy skit TV shows at that time other than you you would like on the radio, you would have them on TV. Like you would have Carol Burnett and stuff like that, but you, you didn't have a lot of radio shows like that.
4: Exactly. There was another well-known Canadian one that called Dr. Bundolo's pandemonium medicine show which would air kind of like after air farce and i don't know that the total history of that show but yeah it was a it was a unique thing that you could listen to modern day like current affairs political satire you know cultural satire about politicians and music and everything that was going on in canada um, but it was current, it was you know happening that week, kind of thing,
3: yeah so so, like you were saying like so this was a the the basic idea of this radio broadcast and then later on TV broadcast was that it was political and cultural satire for Canada, right um now, I gotta say, in watching a lot of the clips this week, I think most of the jokes went over my head even though I'm from Maine, which is, which is Canadian adjacent. um, And, you know, right there on the border, like we grew up watching red, green, green in my household. Like that was, that was on all in doctor who and all, all this stuff that we would get, that, you know, doctor who's British, but we would get all this stuff from Canada and Britain and, and all this on our public television. And uh, so I, I got a good dose of all this stuff never saw this show somehow like i don't know how that never transferred down from canada
4: well and yeah it's political satire so if you were canadian you would have got the jokes because they were there was always it was kind of like saturday like saturday night live always has somebody playing the president on air force they were always had a character playing the prime minister right Mm -hmm. and there would be jokes about a bill that was hitting senate or a controversy in in ottawa or a controversy with the prime minister there would be jokes about culture um they really got it like uh, later on they really got into the whole mike from canmore the coffee shop tim horton's cliches and all that stuff and uh a lot of the a lot of the humor was it was canadian like you would have to know what they were talking about hey but it was (laughs) we loved it like it was funny stuff and again as a teenager for me it was it was theater of the mind it was like you imagined you could picture what they were doing, what they were talking about and it was a real blast, a real fun trip to listen to
3: Oh yeah, I, I was watching some of these this week and laughing hysterically at like the Neil Young for Royal Bank and, and Stodgy Pox
5: um, My life completely like, changed when I discovered Stodgy Pox the first thing you reach for when anyone says, stick it. <laughs> Stodge pox, named after its inventor, Dr. Stodge, and the disease that killed him. <laughs> Chicken pox. <laughs> I discovered it through a friend. He said... He and his wife had made a coffee table together using stodgepox, and were now inseparable. (laughs) For years, we as a family had suffered from the undue attention of a hyperactive budgie, a single shulp on his perch, and never again did pretty Petey fly over the dining room table and avail himself of the cheese whiz. In fact, never again did he fly. He just stood there and cursed. <laughs> I did not want the kids to hear such foul language before encountering it in kindergarten. <laughs> so I wondered how stodgepox could solve the situation. I was about to squirt some stodgepox in the kids' ears when I got a better idea. Just a sh on the end of a long piece of cuttle bone, and in seconds we had a mute budgie with a 13-inch beak. <laughs> And large staring eyes. He was a perfect match for Grandma after we used stodgepox to fix her dental plate. Mildred had been on to me for a long time to spruce up the garden, so I took the aging spaniel belonging to our neighbors, and today he is an attractive garden ornament. Our favorite evening's entertainment is watching the neighbors try and call him in. I suppose they'd come out and get him if they could get their doors open. <laughs> what are the problems with stodgepox, you ask? Well, keep it out of the hands of children. Until recently, I was forced to work at home as a telemarketer, confined to one room after little Ernie spread stodgepox on the seat on which I'd sat. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I did get to see a lot of the family especially when they came in to take a shower. (laughs) I was finally freed with the assistance of a blowtorch, four pounds of butter, a dental drill, and an over-friendly fireman with the jaws of life. (laughs) When the seat finally came off, he proudly handed it to my family. They should not have touched it. (laughs) (laughs) Say what you like. If you want the family to stick together, nothing beats Stodge Pots.
3: There were some, um, like, even though I'm American in, like, yeah, like, you like, I imagine that the, like, SNL and stuff like that that came later, um, I I would imagine that that doesn't carry over well to the rest of the world that don't know American politics as well. Um, The same way, like a lot of the Canadian stuff did not carry over, but we all know who Cartier is and, and watching some of those still carried over and made sense. Mm -hmm.
4: No, that's fun for sure. And um, uh, the fact that, like you said that they ran for, three or four decades, like with some version of radio or TV, wasn't, you know, what a history, what a legacy for the TV show and the radio show.
3: Yeah. And, and so they, they tried to do the TV show. They tried to switch from radio to TV in the eighties um, with a bunch of TV specials. But what they did was they just recorded video of them on stage doing the radio program and so it was just them standing there doing the radio stuff, and it didn't transfer well over to TV. Right. Like people people would rather use their imagination than see people standing up there doing nothing while speaking into a microphone. So that didn't carry over, and it wasn't until 1992 that they're like that they figured out, oh, like, okay, wait, we need to act this stuff out. We should do that, and then yeah. it, it caught. Oh, for sure. What really astounds me, and I don't understand what the what the reason was, is that I want to say it's like for four years, I think it was all the way until 97, that they continued doing both the radio broadcast and the TV show throughout all that time from 92 to 97. And that, that is an astounding amount of work in my mind. Like to be doing weekly audio and weekly TV TV shows, just wow!
4: And again, they're you know it's their full time job. They've got cast and crew and writers and that too. So, yeah, yeah. it would be, it still would be a lot of work for sure.
3: Because it's the same. The cast is exactly the same. So the original the the cast was Roger Abbott, Don Ferguson, Luba Joy. Sorry, Luba Goy. John Morgan and David Broadfoot until, Mm -hmm. and David Broadfoot actually retired before the TV show even came out. He, so then it was just down to four and they were just trying to carry on and do it and doing it amazingly.
4: And again, like if you go into the history, the more recent TV shows they'll bring on different actors and different cast members, but the the people you mentioned are the, the core list of performers i was lucky in um 2008 in regina they had the canadian comedy awards and i volunteered on the production crew so i was at the connexus art center at the big theater for a gala comedy show the air Farce were there right and so i'm backstage and i'm like helping usher performers to go onto the stage and I got to meet them and I'm like oh my god this is such a big deal so anyway I think it was um Roger Abbott or Don Ferguson were kind of talking to each other and they're like yeah you know this is great but I've always hated the the PR part of the job and having to go to dinners and golf tournaments and having to sign autographs for people and having to be all friendly and they're kind of (laughs) complaining like amongst themselves right so and I didn't Whatever, I had already planned this. It was my dad's 70th birthday coming up. I'm like, hey, guys, can I get your autographs? So, <laughs> like a minute after they're complaining about fans and autographs, I'm like, can I get your autographs? So I managed to get all the original cast autographs on one sheet of paper. I was pretty oh, excited wow. about that. But, yeah, no, they are they are Canadian comedy legends. And um, just and that's really...
3: Just- that's the year they went off the air. Like that's right near their last episode.
4: Right. And sadly, I think most of the cast has passed away since then too.
3: Yeah, so, they have. Yeah. 3 3 of the 5 have passed away.
4: Yeah. And uh just a shout out to Dave Broadfoot. Big Bobby Clobber, you know, this guy, he played like a dumb hockey player guy and uh <laughs> he played um was Sergeant Renfrew of the RCMP. And this stuff is so funny. If you have a chance to go back and listen to it, he would always have these adventures as an RCMP that halfway through the skit, there'd be a break and he'd go, when I regained consciousness, (laughs) because he always got knocked out, right? (laughs) And like, you know, I'm in the hospital and they're telling me, you know, it's just funny, funny stuff. And again, as kids, this was... These were the jokes we made to each other, you know what I mean? Like, these were the running gags. These were the popular jokes that everybody made. So it was a very popular, very funny radio show.
1: Now, do you think, Tom, honestly, that things like The Kids in the Hall or SCTV took some points from the show?
4: Possibly, and I think... I appreciate you mentioning Kids in the Hall and SCTV. Like, I'm very proud as a Canadian to say that we had such amazing, amazingly productive skit comedy factories like SCTV and Kids in the Hall. And if anything, the fact that Air Force was corporate, it was CBC funded, it proved that there was support in the arts world for this kind of skit comedy, right? Like it proved that the Canadian artistic endeavors supported this type of work. And were we an incubator? I'm not sure how it worked, but I'm not sure though if there'd be a crossover content though.
1: I I was, I was exposed to things like SCTV early because in the mid mid, I was I was born in seventy four, so in the early mid eighties, when Nickelodeon was first coming out, um, a lot of the shows were Canadian based shows. So, so, like you can't do that on television was one of my favorite all time shows, um, and so they had some of those weird, very interesting humor that I had never seen before. And but because and also it, I think it was like midnight Nickelodeon. Um, would switch over and they would pull from they called it Turkey TV time and they would pull from scTV and they would pull from like' right it was, it, the kids in the hall I'm squishing your head they would pull from all of those things because they had no content so it's really interesting the amount of things that we got to see as kids in the you know early mid 80s um that really influenced my humor like as far as who I like to to what I think is funny. Um, and I, I thought those shows were just brilliant. So, well, well were.
4: <laughs> it's, it's great to hear as a Canadian that Americans were getting to see our television because we grew up watching American television all the time because you were the dominant cultural <laughs> megaforce. Like, I watched... <laughs> trade, I'm going to start got, a TV
1: show called Dominant Cultural Megaforce.
4: <laughs> we were... Uh, we had... Um, Detroit television, like Detroit cable TV, right? So everything that we watched was, like, not from here. So knowing that Americans were enjoying the Canadian stuff is very, very good to hear.
1: Well, I think it was just because Nickelodeon didn't have content. So they had to go to the Canadians. It's kind of like MTV. The reason why it became such a juggernaut for British artists was because they were the only ones putting content out. So, Mm -hmm. right.
3: Yeah, and you're right, Heidi. We need to create a TV show called "Dominant Cultural Megaforce," yes. where they or a movie I'll like t- where it's it'll be great. Where, Cartoon where, where like the main people of Hollywood decide that people in Canada are getting too big for their britches with their TV uh. shows, and they they go to Canada to try to take down the like the Canadian, Canadian Bacon, Hollywood. which
1: is still one of the most yeah. underrated but really funny movies of all time. Exactly.
3: It's like uh, hey, Tom. Bacon are
1: you of with Canadian Bacon?
4: Yeah. Must take down
3: Vancouver. (laughs) We
1: go to war.
4: (laughs) No, that's funny. Um, And again, like all the Saturday Night Live characters were all, you know, how many major American comedians
3: are from Canada?
1: Canada. I know, right? Oh,
3: yeah. I mean, you look at the list that was on Second City, and all of those people became, well, not all of them, but a major amount of of them became huge stars. And Mm Then you look how many of them also went on to work with Lauren Michaels, or you want, you look at how many of those people went on and and went to run Second City and as the club in Detroit, and like Canadians are funny. They are funny. <laughs> hey. I appreciate that. <laughs>
1: I like I'm going to be quoting Strange Brew all night. I'm going to be <laughs> quoting uh, Canadian Bake. Like, I'm just going to be all my favorite Canadian movie hits.
4: Thank you, and I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm well, sorry. speaking of funny Canadians, why don't I share this wonderful clip with us from uh, Air Force in, in the CBC radio program from 1982.
0: Ah, uh, Vince, believe me, this blind date I set you up with will take your mind off your problems, but good. Listen, Frank, the last thing I need is a blind date. She could turn out to be a bill collector. What I need is a bank loan. Vince, Vince, this girl will knock you out. Who have you fixed me up, with a woman or Sugar Ray Leonard? Trust me, Vince, you'll like her. She's excited about meeting you. Oh, look, here she comes now. I don't wanna look. Just tell me if she's wearing a leech. <laughs> oh, what a figure. Where? Where? Over there. Yeah. Oh, hey, she's nice. In fact, she's beautiful. Gee, I apologize, Frank. She's the most gorgeous woman I've ever seen. Uh, uh Sharon, over here. Uh, Sharon, I'd like you to meet my friend Vince. Uh, Sharon, here, a very attractive woman. Oh, thank you very much, Vince. Pardon me? I said that in very much. Uh, Sharon, would you excuse uh, Frank and me for a minute? Frank, she, she sounds like a duck. Didn't I mention that? No. No, I've heard of people with frogs in their throats, but this is ridiculous. Vince, Vince, just be nice to her. You know, maybe later you can take her back to your apartment and nest your brains out. Oh, very, very funny, Sharon, uh, will you like a drink? Uh, what I would you like? I uh, Let me guess, uh, grasshopper? Ah. Hey, I knew you two'd hit it off. Uh, so, uh, Sharon, do you live around here or are you just spending the summer?
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you no, know, I give in a high-rise apartment. Uh, do you have a room or do you live on the roof? <laughs> Uh, never mind. What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a speech therapist. Uh, a speech therapist? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you teach? Ducks. Excuse us, Sharon. Uh, Frank. Frank, this is crazy. I swear, if she asked me back to her place, I'm going to pass out or something. Vince, do you want to go back to my place? What did she say? Uh, I'll get the smelling salts, Vince. <laughs> Hello, it's Frank here, and several months have passed since that scene in the bar Although it seemed uh, like an impossible situation, Vince actually grew to like Sharon After a week, they started dating regularly After two weeks, Vince took the gag out of Sharon's mouth (laughs) Eventually, they were married in a wonderful ceremony Marred only by the priest's misinterpretation of Sharon's I do for Hey, Reverend, you want to get lucky? (laughs) The marriage is a happy one They spend all their time together, they even work together and if you ever want to see this lovely couple together, just drive out of the airport and wait in the main terminal. Before long, you'll hear both Vince and Sharon hard at work. Your attention, please. Flight number. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And you can feel the energy in the room, right? Yeah. Like- The live production live audience
3: like if they had done that just in a studio by themselves it it would have been funny but it wouldn't have carried half as well as being in front of that audience
4: and again i love that old school 40s and 50s style you know theater of the air drama live theater radio style
3: yeah, they knew how to, how to carry that and, and to make it work. Right. No,
4: it, and you'll never get that anywhere today. Like, nobody's doing that anymore.
3: No. <laughs> I
1: mean, granted, I will say podcasts are moving. There are some podcasts now that have some of those elements to them. Um, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, so, and, and some of them are very much like storytelling, but you don't get the sketch comedy like this. I haven't found one yet. Now, I wonder if there is one out there somewhere, but, um, but I keep thinking too, there's a similarity to NPR, um, like, wait, wait, don't tell me like the live audience, not in terms of sketch comedy, but in terms of the live audience and the response and the, like, there's a fun atmosphere to those
4: And, uh, again, like, back then, your options for entertainment were radio, TV, like, five channels of television. Did people have cassette players? You know what I mean? Like, we were very limited for audio entertainment. Now you can do a million things a day and do whatever you want, streaming the internet, like, everything. So it's so um, scattered now. But back then, it was destination radio, destination TV. Like, you had to be there at 11 a.m. to listen.
3: Right. If you didn't, you could not watch it. Even, I mean, it wasn't until my late, late childhood that you actually, the VCRs were a thing that you could have in the home, really, where you could record something and come back to it and watch it again. Or, or even like if you missed it, be able to catch that, especially if you were lucky enough to have a VCR that recorded on a timer. Like, wow. Like, now you didn't have to wait forever to, if you missed it. Right.
1: We weren't those rich kids with those fancy kind of things. So, uh, no, (laughs) it was about the radio and setting your cassette tape so you could make a mixtape or listen to the top 40 and record the top 40 so that you could hear the whole thing.
3: (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Um, I do want to share one of the skits that i I understood and thought was hilarious uh, this week while I was watching it um I also will add in into our liner notes a number of other ones but this is one of those ones that I was that I loved um and it, it includes our a friend that I wish was a friend of the podcast um would love to have him come on sometime Sean we know you listen come on um but um, is Sean cullen and he he was guesting on the show that night and uh here here is a skit that i thought was wonderful
6: hi friends as you may know this past summer saw a petition calling on the federal government to change the words of our national anthem according to the respected feminist group famous five foundation the phrase in all thy son's command is no longer acceptable and no doubt was written by typically retro, right-wing, backward, scum-sucking male pigs. (laughs) I'm sure they meant that in the nicest way. (laughs) Our anthem mentions sons, but it excludes another very important segment of our society, daughters. Not to mention that cross-dressing uncle nobody likes to talk about. (laughs) A more acceptable phrase would be in all thy gender non-specific spousal offspring's command. <laughs> of course, the word "command" is very authoritarian and pushy, which is unCanadian. We should replace it with "suggestion." <laughs> now friends, I realize this can all be a bit confusing, huh? So here to help us better understand and sing the politically correct anthem is my friend and buddy Dwayne. Hey, Dwayne.
7: Oh, Canada, our living quarters and Aboriginal persons, including Inuit, Métis, all First Nations land. Isn't that beautiful? True patriot love, implying affection, but not in a sexual way. <laughs> Pacific spousal offspring suggestion
6: makes me proud to be Canadian.
7: With glowing hearts, we see thee rise. Oh, uh,
6: see thee rise. That kind of sounds like obvious Viagra implications. Uh, <laughs> suggesting thee is undoubtedly an amorous man-like person.
7: With glory horny the strong and free no problem there from far and wide wide?
6: I think that is an obvious reference to persons of poundage <laughs> from
7: far and wide, challenged oh canada we stand or sit on guard for Denominational gender, unspecified
6: supreme being, keep our land. By not mentioning a specific deity, we embrace all religions, including Quakers, Druids, and Future Shop employees. <laughs>
7: Glorious and free, oh Canada, we stand on God.
6: Wait, wait a second. On guard kind of implies an act of aggression when really we should be willing to sit down and discuss our differences in a civilized manner.
7: Oh Canada, we stand ready to sit down and discuss our differences in a civilized manner.
4: it's funny
3: stuff
1: wow that's ahead of its time (laughs) that was way ahead of
3: its time crazy yeah that was in 2001 oh my gosh
4: (laughs) the the politically correct movement like the satirical backlash against politically correctness political correctness has been going on for a while, I think.
3: <laughs> At least up in Canada, <laughs> yeah.
1: But in terms of like the gender, the gender uh, conversation, uh, like the the oh. pronoun, like those things, I was like, oh my gosh, wait, was this like a couple of years ago, like, or is that now? <laughs> like, it's so ahead of its time in terms of 2001. We weren't really thinking in some ways that we are now too. So very, very funny stuff.
4: So how do you? How do you? classify this the type of humor on air farce i don't want to say that it's family oriented political humor like i don't want to make it whitewash like that it can be edgy like you you just experienced a very edgy uh, pushing the boundaries um bit of humor so i think it i think they they had a pretty loose um you know they they, they really did push the edges a lot and, and do some edgy stuff but still the political cultural humor at the same time very very self-defacing self-satirical
3: humor i i think that's the best way to describe it and I, like when was this usually on like snl is like at eleven thirty at night like they're like We're seven, gonna...
4: seven or eight p.m like saturday nights kind of stuff right so yeah
3: yeah and like you said there's some edgy stuff in there but again like I think that the edgier stuff is going to go over most of the little kids heads and and it's going to be understood by the adults and and they're not like focusing hard on it it's just in there it's wrapped in and and kids are probably busy laughing at the other stuff to get that
4: Yeah I think it definitely had a um Sort of teenager, like like twenty year old plus market. You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. know how many kids would have been watching. Like, hey, i got to go watch Air Force, and but but I, and that was me as a teenager watching or listening to the radio show. But yeah, it it's definitely um um rich, rich comedy. Like they've got a lot of th- different things going on there.
3: Well, and it it's gonna be hard to write for that, I would think because, you know, as I, as I sit and I think about it, I, America is very much the same, but there's a very wide cultural difference between what you have on one coast versus the other coast. Um, and I would say the culture is as different as what you would have from Maine down to Texas. Like it, that's a huge cultural difference. I think that like Newfoundland versus like Vancouver is gonna be culturally different in terms of the jokes, but they still make that all kind of work because they're making fun of everyone equally.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure.
3: They're equal yeah. opportunity.
4: <laughs> yeah, eh? But yeah, yeah, you're right. We have we make fun of newfies, we make fun of Torontonians, um, we make fun of Vancouver as sort of the hippy dippy drug world or whatever. The save the whale savers <laughs> and uh Um, even like Alberta, Saskatchewan, we get classified as, you know, the Hicks or the farmers or whatever. So we have our regions that, you know, have the different things that we get made fun of. So.
3: So it works.
4: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Everyone loves a good Newfie joke.
3: (laughs) So, um, what we haven't really talked about is, is the song. Um, right. Understandably so, because it's only thirty-seven seconds long, so <laughs> it's hard to cover cover that for a whole episode. Um, but B and L was there from episode number one; like that was that was the theme music for the TV show f- until two thousand and eight.
4: And it's acapella, not acapella, but it's it's like totally instrumental, but it's just fun, peppy. And
3: it's they hard. have like the scatting. It's jazz. It's, yeah. I mean, it's essential B and L without it being like slap you across the face. This is B and L. I don't know right. how else to describe it. I mean, it's it it really is. I think it's a great little jazz song. I mean, it's longer, about the same side as length as a little tiny song. um <laughs> And I like, I
1: like the scatting and I like the harmonies in the scatting. Like you can really tell those voices like, but there's really not a lot there.
3: (laughs) What's, what key is it in? That's probably about all you're going to be able to Um, give us for a breakdown. What I
1: have (laughs) is, I have that it is in C, um, but it was very hard to analyze and hard to find. So I it because the theme song is underneath the um the studio audience audience and the intro, it was really kind of hard to nail that down. <laughs> so, so it was like a one chord to a five. It's a lot of ones, fives, fours, four chords. So like C, G, A seven, G sus four. But I'm not sure how accurate that is at all. So I can't really really uh. Do too much it, i I can't there were I couldn't find any sheet music I couldn't find any no. chordal things, so I tried to do the best analysis I could, but boy that that was a toughie so
4: yes, yeah. does the song linger in your brain? does it have legs
1: I <laughs> I think I think it does um I used to teach a course in film and um film and television music in fact I do a whole unit on Bernie Herman and Hitchcock and that whole relationship in psycho and I ripped the whole thing apart but that's because of your incredible auspicious knowledge in that area Tom um but I also did a lot with commercial jingles and what's effective and what's not effective and TV thoughts TV theme songs. Um, and it didn't really stick in my head. Like the big bang theory sticks in your head. Um, and possibly it's because of the lyrics or I don't know. Um, this one, I can't really like, if I listened to it enough and I watched it enough, I would be able to hum it. No problem. Um, because I, I'm a huge fan of television theme songs because some of them are really incredibly well-written. Um, and Uh, and they go kind of on under the radar, but I think that, yeah, I mean, it's light. And like you said earlier, it's light, it's cute. It's simple. It's funny. Um, because even though there are no lyrics, I still think it's funny. Um, but it's very, very simple. So I'm not sure I can hum it, but after, if I grew up with it, oh heck yeah, I could
3: hum it. I, you said simple. And I, I think, I think I disagree with that. I would say, and and I know you're the music person, but, um, can (laughs) still disagree. To me, it doesn't sound simple because there's so many different things going on. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's not
1: that simple. I guess I'm thinking because there are no lyrics, but it it still right. definitely has a lot of other really interesting things musically. So,
3: like as I was listening yeah, I to, you. you can hear all the different instruments and they're all doing something interesting in the background. Like I would have loved if B&L had been like, you know what? Let's make this a full length song and add lyrics and do something with it. like. I'd be all over that. And again,
4: nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, American TV. The intro was two and a half minutes, like it was a song, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Beverly Hills, yeah, that's right. The the Jeffersons theme, right? Yeah, it was. was And you listened to the song, and you could sing along, you know, kind of thing. But more modern days like you get tv shows with five second musical openings Mm -hmm. and it's all about brevity because now it's all about boom they don't want to lose the viewer that watched the end of the sitcom that ended at 8 p.m they have to pull you right into the next 20 seconds later they need to hook you on the next sitcom so they can't waste any time with a um opening but this is that kind of style of quick peppy and um They're not wasting any time getting you into the show.
3: Well, and it's interesting, like so many people, I was reading online, like some of the the quotes and the comments underneath, and they're like, this brings me back from my childhood. Like this theme, like reminds me of all these times from my childhood. And, you know, I grew up with, with Scooby-Doo and Night Court and the A-Team and Magna PI, you know, like as I think of these theme songs, like the th- songs start coming up in my head, and it reminds me of all these great moments watching those TV shows back then. So, to me, like when I hear those songs, it transports me back, and I can only imagine that that's how how Canadians must feel when they hear that song as well.
4: And it's a gathering point. It's like you're in the you're in the kitchen doing dishes, and you hear this on the TV. It's that exciting moment that you want to run and sit and watch the TV, and that's the the real purpose of a. Of a good opening theme to get you caught,
5: like, oh you yeah. on,
4: get mm-hmm. you hooked on watching, sitting down and enjoying the show. Yeah, get you hyped,
3: get you. And I think it, which I, I wonder it puts I, you in a good mood for it too. Like I, so I think another good, the important part of a theme song is to, to get you ready for the show, to get you in the right mood for the show, and. As I think about it, like so shows like Saturday Night Live and Second City and all these these skit TV shows, like they have a hard thing because you know, most TV shows, like you have like Cheers or or Greatest American Hero or Scooby Doo, like they they have Can to I sing tell all you... of the
1: songs and you can see if I know them all? Because those are <laughs> I'm like I started singing each one you just mentioned.
3: Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, it tells you the story as the guy who created, um, Gilligan's Island and Brady Bunch. Like he was the guy who created like a big portion of, of TV in the sixties and seventies. And he, his point of view on writing a theme song was it needs to, in, in one minute, tell you enough about the show that you can take off from Here's the story
1: is. of a lovely lady yeah oh exactly
3: yeah. just um, sit and-
1: right back and we're here little. like yeah you're right <laughs> i never really thought about that either that they told the story the jeffersons told the story the oh f- i
4: love the, the jeffersons theme oh
1: it's brilliant oh,
4: brilliant Wonder. i and i've i've been at whatever like at work or at a party and people sing the jeffersons theme you know what oh, i mean yeah. like it's it's like a Think of it's welcome
1: like, back, Cotter. Like, it's oh. like
4: it's to television, what bye bye, Miss American Pie is to rock and roll. Yeah, it's like, right. It's a like fireside group song, sing along tune that everybody knows.
3: Mm-hmm. But the tricky part is is if you have a skit show that is comedy and it's, it's meant to be farcical, it's meant to be lampooning a, a number of different things. How do you write a a theme song for that? And and you'll find that most of these skit shows have show, have no lyrics, but they get you in the right mood.
4: And is is the gag or the gimmick about air farce so pretty much? It's a rip off of a television news broadcast. It's mm-hmm. kind of a rip off of a current affairs TV show. And it's like, so it kind of has to have that serious instrumental opening, and then it just goes downhill from there, right? Like, (laughs) it all collapses into comedy from there. But yeah, yeah, they they couldn't really, they kind of are mimicking, like, a NBC News opening theme or something, in a way.
3: Yeah, but a really upbeat, happy, like, we're going to put you in a good mood type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think from that point of view, I think it actually works better than some of the things that I would compare it to, such as like SNL's opening, which is oh, catchy, yeah. but it doesn't put you in the right mood for SNL. This I think definitely would put me in the mood to see I... comedy.
4: I my I love SNL. I, I watch it every time I can. And um the cold opening always gets me because it's usually political and i'm canadian i don't understand american politics so i tend to i tend to skip the cold opening i enjoy mm-hmm. the montage of the musical opening though and the like re- into the monologue like that's really enjoyable but mm-hmm. it's a different it's a different thing yeah it's a longer show it's a bigger show and it's mm-hmm. a lot longer uh musical opening yeah But it would be, like you said, it would be interesting to see Bare Naked Ladies take this theme and turn it into a a pop song with lyrics, eh? like a full-length song.
3: Yeah. I would love to know who the brainchild of this is. I mean, my guess is Jim and Andy. Like, it it just has such a jazzy feel that it just feels like something they wrote.
4: (laughs) Right, right. And I wonder, too, if the TV show producers came and said, we need an instrumental thing. We want, like, when you watch, hopefully the listeners will take them. A minute to go to youtube and watch the video and see they're introducing the the performers they're putting in iconic graphics of canoes and beavers and the parliament building and dollar <laughs> bills right like they're doing all the cliche iconic canadian images and they're having fun you know like it's it's um interesting to watch
3: well and the later the later there were two versions of this online one that came later um in the years uh, and i like the beginning of that because it's very monty python-esque where where it's beginning something along the lines of this following show ca- contains the following scenes of nudity and then you get a whole bunch of different like statues and stuff like that and, and other artworks <laughs> and i'm like yes this is my type of humor i'm all about this
4: i must recommend for your listeners and especially americans that may not have seen it the Wayne and Schuster comedy hours go on YouTube and watch them. If you want to see classic Canadian humor, those things are brilliant.
3: The other thing I I wanted to kind of point out with this is I think this is a tremendous honor for BNL. The reason I wanted to make sure that we didn't just skip over it. It's a 37 second song and and we could easily have just said, no, we're not going to cover that. That's, you know, there's no lyrics at 37 seconds long. Most of us that are on this show are, are American. Like what, what right do we have to cover this? But like this, they were, they had to have been approached. I can't imagine that they approached CBC. So CBC approached them in 1993 to do this. BNL had only released one album officially two. If you count the yellow tape and they were approached for this institution that had been on the radio for 20 years to write the theme song and i just think that is amazing
4: do you think it was um record label placing the band promoting the band getting them some exposure
3: maybe but that's about the time that it would have been nigel and he was it nigel best i want to say it's nigel best and he was first of all, the band did not like Nigel at all, but second of all, he was Sorry, from everything written in no, the no. Uh, public stunts and and private stories book. He was not a good manager. Um, so if he had anything to do with that, then I would be astounded.
4: Right. Well, It could have literally been the producers of Air Force TV were Here's a hot Canadian band. We need a popular song, and maybe they're like, "We got to bring our demographic younger." You know, we want to mm. appeal to the younger crowd. We don't want to, we don't want to just be adult-oriented comedy. We want to appeal to the, uh, the 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 kids in the hall fans, right? Mm. We want to yes. appeal to the the college crowd. So maybe they did they did that deliberately as a demographic targeting. Maybe, yeah
1: maybe somebody knew somebody who knew somebody
3: yeah oh exactly possibly and gordon never know how these things uh, happen (laughs) we we i undercut a little bit that that gordon had just come out but gordon was huge in canada so like that gordon
4: are you kidding me it's to this day it's it's pretty much their greatest hits album you know what i mean
3: Oh, I and I fully agree.
4: <laughs> recently on that fan club where you found me on Facebook, we were talking about Gordon 30th anniversary. And um, or is
3: it 40th? It would be close to 40. it'd be fortieth at the yeah. no. No, it'd be 30th.
1: No, it'd be
4: 30.
3: I just had my 30th
1: high
3: uh, school
4: reunion. So. Um, <laughs> I was talking online with my friends about like my friend, Jenny, where, yeah, you own that CD and we used to come over to the house and we'd all just sit around and play that CD and then play it over again. And you know, like it was so popular and everybody knew where they were when they first heard it, you know, it was a pivotal moment in pop culture in Canada.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, that might be another reason, but
4: have you got your, um. Your clip of, uh, if I had a million dollars, the, the web clip of, uh, So
3: I haven't, so that was, that's going to be the appearance for this week is that after the show had ended, um, not long after they did the, a couple of years ago, they, in 2017 or 2018 was the 150th anniversary of Canada and they did the air farce 150th and in doing so they did a um but they had so they had a number of people on that were famous in canadian and they did in fact have ed come on the show and uh so this, that's the appearance for this week i'll play it for you guys right now i do enjoy this it is a very long skit to have <laughs>
7: If I had a million
2: dollars, if I had a million dollars, I'd buy a NASA rocket ship with some nice fuzzy dice for the mirror.
3: If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars. My camera for the Canada arm. Be like this really cool long selfie stick.
2: <laughs> How about you guys? What do you got? Uh, uh, well, we don't really have a guitar. Uh, correction, you don't really have a guitar.
4: <laughs> Can you name any other renditions or re edits of the Million Dollar Song that you've heard over the years? I can't think of any.
3: Well, I mean there's always if I had a million ducats.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget that one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and if I had a million washes for Tide. Um that's just um
4: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm blanking on those both.
3: Um, so if I had a million ducats was done by oh man now of course I can't remember it off the top of my head it's uh, done by the oh my gosh I can never say this name no wonder I forgot it Robden Robden Ginean bards so they basically do it from a medieval point of view Okay, right on. <laughs> and I can never pronounce their <laughs> name. <laughs> um, and then, of course, if I had a million washes, would be what Tide paid B and L to to use it for their uh, commercial.
4: <laughs> okay, I'll have to look that one up. I somehow never saw that, but that's almost like a um, one of my favorite things that Saturday Night Live will do, where they'll be they'll be doing the skit involving a celebrity and then they'll pull the real celebrity out onto stage. Mm -hmm. And so they have that celebrity, that cameo power. So they, you know, that was a pretty good skit. The one you just showed having Ed walk out and play guitar.
3: Yeah. I mean, most of that 150th uh, uh, anniversary show had a lot of them, a lot of callbacks to past characters that were really popular that they would just keep coming back to. Um, so if you were a big fan of the show, then you would get a lot of those jokes,
4: right? Right. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you showed that.
3: you dug deep this week. I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talking about a gazillion dollars we should probably come to the rating system for oh, this week. goodness gracious um, um tom you might not be familiar with our rating system we wrote it's gonna be hard to rate this week but um we rate every song from zero to five. Zero is that you wish that had never been created five is not only on your playlist but if if you were left with like three or four songs on the planet those you would wish that those things never disappeared they would have to be on your ipod on an island
4: i will rate this a four because it's just a fun approachable enjoyable retro flashback
1: wow calling up the big guns pretty early
3: <laughs> and we're going to give it a rating of 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 uh bombachas, bombachas. yep so four bombaches. okay four bombaches. what about you Heidi how many bombaches uh, do you
1: I do thought there? it was pretty clever and and fun and again there are elements to it that I really like um compared to the full catalog um I would say it's not you know it's no call and answer it's no grade nine um but let me say I will give this a 3.5 botcha bog bacha balls? What are we Bombachas.
3: Ba- oh. kumbachas? Bombachas. Bombachas. <laughs> it, it, it's Spanish for bomb.
1: Oh, okay. Now I get it. <laughs> Bombachas. Oh yeah, that's right. The that's right. Now I know what you're talking about. <laughs>
3: I could have gone with sonatas, but I was. It was. It's more fun to say bomba. It is a
1: fun word. There's no question there. Hey, yeah. there's a word for that. Bombachos <laughs> reminds me of bomba um, socks. Like, I think
3: <laughs> maybe that's why I'm having a hard time with it. And when it comes to, for me, when it comes down to <laughs> the, when it comes down to a theme song, I like this. A lot but it's not something i'd listen to often it wouldn't be on my like my playlist so it's already a little bit below four because i wouldn't have it on my playlist um but i do enjoy it and if it came on i definitely wouldn't turn it and it and it puts me in a good mood i'm gonna give this a it's also the first one they ever wrote like it really broke them into writing theme songs and they wrote a lot of theme songs over their career. Uh I'm going to give it a 3.8. Wow. Nice.
4: So I, your your scale of 1 to 5 is really a scale of 20. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I
3: get it. Yeah, oh. we, I mean we break it down. I mean, we've got over oh. over 250 songs to rate, so we did have to go down to down to some some decimal points. <laughs>
4: That's what you learned in grade nine baby that's
3: what you learned in grade nine i hope i learned decimal points a lot earlier than than grade nine um but (laughs) tom i really enjoyed having you on tonight matter of fact i gotta tell you like you bring something that that heidi and i don't bring to this podcast not just that you're canadian and have this history but also i i really just you have this nice deep Tone naturally. I, <laughs> I know. Don't now have. I want to hear
1: you do Hitchcock. Like
3: I know. Like I just. Evening. I like the sound of your voice.
1: Oh, well, is that? You. Oh, I see what you did there. It's
3: it's a hundred dollar
1: digital I filter. I love waking up yeah. to that. the sound of your voice there.
3: Yes, I could. I could wake up to the. No, what of your he's voice. doing
1: is diluting to next week's song, Tom, which is obviously <laughs> I, the sound of your voice
4: thank you for clarifying
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome not all of us can follow the path that uh tracy lays out for us uh all the time but
3: you got that one quick though i did i was
1: like wait where's he going oh Oh. s's oh (laughs) okay
3: and and so tom if other people enjoy the sound of your voice where can they hear more of you Good evening. And Alfred Hitchcock podcast
4: is available on all the podcatchers. We are five years old. We're at 85 episodes. We're doing every Hitchcock film. And we did about a dozen of the television episodes. We go we go chronologically. So we've we have dug through all the charcoal to get to the chocolate. We've gone through all the hard films, the difficult, the old silent films. And we've done all the popular blockbusters now. We're on a hiatus. We're coming back shortly to wrap it up with four more episodes. Chris Haig is in Leeds, England. Brandon Shamatala is here in Regina. He's our founding producer. Check it out. And if anybody's on the TikTok, um, my alias on TikTok is DJ Tommy 3000 And I go on and I play 80s rock music and hip hop and have a a fun time on there. Come and check it out.
3: Awesome. Definitely. I mean, you just just hit like deep into my heart on that one because I love 80s pop and hip hop.
4: Yeah. Well, there you go. And uh, I do Coca-Cola collecting on there and I do some other fun stuff. So yeah, check it out. TikTok's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. One billion users can't be wrong.
1: True. And I did go viral.
4: Oh, you had one?
1: Uh, I uh, went viral for putting giant googly eyes onto an excavator in my backyard. Oh, good for you. <laughs> to make it look like I'll, a dinosaur.
4: I'll have to check that out.
1: <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> oh, I shall never God. go viral again. <laughs> I mean, once you've done it once, I mean... Psh. Why even like what could possibly be two giant googly eyes on an excavator?
3: Well, I mean, yeah. No,
1: you can't. I mean, come on. Oh, wait, what's my TikTok? I'll have to share it with you. Hold on. Uh <laughs> let's see. Yeah, I got like a lot, like millions of hits. Good for you. My <laughs> and it was all just because I was being silly in my backyard.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you put that into the chat and I'm going to make sure that we uh that we put that in there. And if, and Tom, if you put into the chat your where do people can find your podcast and also your TikTok, I will make sure that is in the liner notes as well. You
4: bet. I'd be happy to do that. Thank you.
1: So mine is Doc Welch 74 everybody. If you want to see my uh viral uh excavator. Doc. Sorry. There you go. So Ouch. it's Doc Welch 74.
4: I'll check
3: that out. Thank a you. like,
4: share, and follow. Slap
3: that like button. <laughs> it was great having you, and uh, I encourage everyone to come back next week. Um, it, it, it's a long week between now and then, um, and, you know, it's a big void in my life, And and take it from me, there's not much to see in this void, so I look forward to talking to you guys about sound of your voice <laughs> next week. You just keep and- it rolling. You just keep <laughs>
1: the train rolling.
3: That was pretty <laughs> impressive, actually.
4: Thanks very much for having me. This has been
3: a good time. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. That was fun. Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget, no regrets,
2: except maybe one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football